brethren, America recently observed the 4th of July, the 246th birthday of what has been the most powerful, most prosperous, freest nation on earth. That's what we've been. Many people recognize that. And yet we also heard around the 4th of July critics and celebrities knocking America. That we have nothing to be proud of. Uh, they hate being Americans. And they'd like to transform the whole country and make it totally different. You know, on a Sabbath, sometimes I think we need to take some time to think about what is happening to America. What is happening to the country that we've grown up in? What is happening to the Western world that has been blessed incredibly? You know, the people of the West have made mistakes. People of America have made mistakes. But what is going on when people in our own country hate the country? They have nothing to be proud of. They bought into this idea that we're just a bad group of people. We're oppressors. What is happening? What is happening to our country? What's happening whenever candidates for the Supreme Court cannot or will not define what a woman is? You wonder. What is happening in a country where growing numbers of children are confused about whether they're a boy or a girl? They're not sure because their minds have been messed up. What is happening in a country when Christian conservative speakers are shouted down on college campuses? Don't speak here. We don't want to hear you. Didn't used to be that way. But this is happening today in our country. What's happening in a country where Christian chaplains and preachers are fired by their church school for reading scriptures out of the Bible about homosexuality. This actually happened in England. An Episcopal school fired a teacher who merely said, you don't have to go along with all this stuff about homosexuality because the Bible says this, and he was fired by his church school. What's going on in America where heads of teachers' unions, president press secretaries, and cabinet members are lesbians and homosexuals? This would have been unheard of 50 years ago, totally unheard of 200 years ago in this country. What's going on when millions of people demand as their right to murder their unborn child? We demand we have this right. What's happening in our country? Whenever Marxist critical race theory is taught in schools, universities, and at U.S. military academies. This is happening today. What's happening when standard tests that teach two plus two must equal four is a tool of oppression and white supremacy. It was actually a guy at Harvard who was showing that uh, two plus two can actually equal five. You wonder, what is going on? 
Whenever several hundred thousand illegal immigrants can get across the Rio Grande, bringing drugs and terrorists and also, uh, uh, what's the word I want here, Uh, smuggling people, and they're invited in and then put on buses and spread all around the United States with money in their pocket. You wonder, what is going on? Well, basically, welcome to America's woke agenda. Welcome to America's woke agenda. Now, we used to talk about people and encourage people, wake up, wake up, wake up. But now, if you are woke up, you're not awake. If you're woke today, you're not awake. Because to be woke is to be with it. To be really with it. I'm really with this uh, <clears throat> LGBTQ type of thing. And transgender, it, it's great. It's the wave of the future. That's what a woke person is. They're really with everything that's happening today. <clears throat> so in a sermon today, I want to talk about what is happening in America. Why is it happening in America today? How did we get to this point? When you look at American history, we're very different today than we were 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. We're very different than we were 200 years ago. But how did we get to this point? What's driving this agenda? What's behind all of this? Why is it happening? Where is it heading? And how does this relate to us in the church of God? How do all these changes relate to us? What what does it mean to us? Why is it happening all of a sudden? It's just within the last 10 or 15 years, maybe in the last two years. All of a sudden, things seem to be coming together and just bursting almost every day. Why is it happening now? So suddenly. And what does the Bible have to say about these issues? I've entitled the sermon today, Lessons About America's Woke Agenda. Lessons About America's Woke Agenda. What can we learn from all of this? And why is it important to us as members of the Church of God? We have to get back to our mission, why we're here. So I want to talk about some of these things today, but not just America's woke agenda. The same stuff is happening in Canada. It's happening in the UK. It's happening in Australia, New Zealand, in South Africa, a number of Western European countries, basically Western civilization. It's happening today in countries where we are living today. As we get into the sermon, I want to talk a little bit here at the very beginning. I'm going to put this in a kind of a biblical and historical perspective. Why have we been so blessed in this country? You all know the story. But a lot of people in this country don't know that story. Why have we been blessed when the whole world has not, for that matter? If you've traveled around the world and seen various places, it's always quite a relief to get back home. (laughs) You know, I traveled into the Middle East and parts of Africa and then get back to England and Ireland when I was over there. Everything was green. It was kind of like, wow. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a little jewel down there where the plane is landing. It's not that way in many other places around the world. 
Why have we been so blessed? Turn to Genesis 12 very quickly. God chose to work with a man named Abraham and then his descendants. And he made a promise to Abraham. He says, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. Not just Abraham, but it was going to be his descendants, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and their descendants. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And in you, in your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is a promise that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and his children. As we understand, when we plug in the New Testament, we can become spiritual Israelites and heirs to these promises and plug into God's plan and purpose. But this is why we have been blessed. However, as a nation, we have forgotten who we are as Israelite nations, inheritors of the blessings that God made, the promises that God made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We've forgotten our own history, and we've also forgotten our mission as a people. If you go to Exodus 19, I just want to touch on a couple of things here at the very beginning. <clears throat> when the Israelites were approaching Mount Sinai, where they were to be given the Ten Commandments, Moses went over with them what was going to be happening. Exodus 19, verse 5, it says, Now, therefore, I will indeed, if you will indeed obey my voice. And Abraham had the same charge. He was told, you get out of your country and go where I want to send you. He had to do that. Otherwise, there would have been no promises and no blessings. The Israelites were told, if you will indeed obey the voice of my voice, and keep my covenant, then you will be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Now, this wasn't because they were better than anybody else, as we will see. But God said, if you will follow my instructions, if you'll listen, if you will obey, then you will be a holy nation. You'll be a holy nation to me, a nation of priests and kings. So then God gave them his Ten Commandments. If we go to Deuteronomy chapter 7, now Deuteronomy is written to the next generation that saw their parents die in the wilderness because they turned away from God. But then the book of Deuteronomy was written to the second generation just before they went into the promised land. And we read in in Deuteronomy chapter 7, a reminder to the kids, so to speak, who saw their parents make some bad mistakes. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 and 7. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure. Their parents were told the same thing, but they drifted off in a different direction. Now the kids were being told the same thing. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, the Lord has chosen you to be a special people for him, a special treasure above all the people on the face of the earth. But then he humbles them. He says, the Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any other people. In other words, because you were greater, you were smarter. That's not why you were chosen, for you were the least of all peoples. 
You were slaves in Egypt. But God had a purpose in calling the Israelites. We read about that purpose back in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Kind of a summary chapter. Read the whole thing. But in verse 1, it says, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving to you. Don't add to my words. Don't take away from them. Just do them. Verse 5, it says, Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, Moses says. Verse 6, Therefore be careful to observe these statutes and judgments, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples. In other words, this is going to set you apart from the rest of the world. You know, many ancient nations worshipped pagan gods, They were involved in homosexual practices. They they did things like that. They tattooed themselves. But the Bible says you don't tattoo your body. You don't do that to yourself. You don't worship foreign gods. You don't get involved with homosexuality. You don't do those things. God gave these laws to the Israelites to set them apart from the rest of the world. And what we're doing today is doing just like the pagans do. Have you ever been to New Zealand? The people over there, they tattoos their arms. <laughs> you walk around in Walmart, you guys with their ripped out sleeves, and they got their arm tattooed. Just one of them. But then everybody else does everything else. We're doing the same thing the world is doing because we're woke. <laughs> we're with it. We're slipping down the same road. Instead of coming out of the world, we're going back into the world. But they were called to be chosen. They were called to be very special people. God gave his laws to them to set them apart. In Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, this was the covenant that God made with the Israelites. If we go to Leviticus 26, just very quickly. God said, you will be blessed if you obey And there will be curses that will come if you disobey, if you turn away from God. Leviticus 26, and it says the same thing in Deuteronomy 28. If you obey my laws, if you follow my instructions, you're going to be blessed. If you turn away, there are going to be serious consequences. This happened anciently. You know, the Israelites turned away from God. They went into captivity. And what's happening today, we're turning away from God, and there are going to be serious consequences coming. It's already coming. It's already coming. What we have done today, we've lost sight of these vital, important, vitally important instructions that God gave to his people. Now, how does this relate to us very quickly? God is calling a group of people today to come out of this world. We heard about that in the opening prayer to come out of this world and be different, to be different, to set an example for the world. We've been called to become kings and priests and teachers in the coming kingdom of God, to literally restore true values, to bring about a restoration of God's truth on this earth. That's why we've got to come out of this world 
and do things differently. You know, you can't teach somebody to do something that you don't believe in or that you haven't done it yourself. See, we're here also as a very special people to God. The ancient Israelites blew it. Modern Israelites are blowing it today. And we've been called to come out of this world to be different so God can use us to bring this world back on track. But we have to understand what's going on in this world, why it's happening today. Because all of this stuff is happening under our noses today, and the world doesn't understand. We don't understand as a people. But as God's people, we need to understand. Because part of our job is going to be explaining to Israelite nations today, to Americans today, people in the U.K. today and other places, why these things happened, why we went down the tubes. And unless we understand those things, we're not going to be ready for our job to be able to explain what is going on, why it's happening, and what's behind all of this. Number one, we have forgotten God and despised his laws, and we're reaping the consequences. We've forgotten God, we've despised his law, and we're reaping the consequences. Let's go back to Leviticus 26 very quickly. Leviticus 26. This is part of the covenant. A lot of people are being told today, you know, the Old Testament's done away with. (laughs) We don't have to worry about that anymore. It's all gone. All you have to do is believe in Jesus today. And yet the covenant that God made with ancient Israel is if you obey, you're going to be blessed. If you disobey, there's going to be consequences. But notice in verse 14, Leviticus 26. Now, this is fundamentals. We're going to have to go back to these scriptures when we're dealing with people in the coming kingdom of God, especially people coming through the tribulation. Why did this happen to us? We're neat people. We're pretty good people. We're woke. (laughs) We're with it. Well, that's one of the reasons it's happening. (laughs) It's one of the reasons it's happening. Verse 14, if you do not obey me, God said, and do not observe all these commandments, and some of those commandments are that it's an abomination for men to have sex with other men. It's an abomination for women to do the same thing. An abomination is something that's horrible in God's sight, not with it, but something very horrible. If you do not observe all the commandments and if you despise my statutes, we don't have to do it anymore. That's stupid. That's outdated. If you despise my statutes and if your soul abhors my judgments, I'm going to have nothing to do with it. I read a speech recently by the current president of the National Education Association, a black woman. And she says, we are going to fight the right. We don't want religion in our schools. We are going to defend our LGBT students and staff. So there, if you don't like it, we're going to vote you out of office. This is the head of the National Teachers Association, the biggest union in America, putting the country on notice of what they will do and what they will not do. If you abhor my judgments so that you do not perform all my commandments but break my covenant, I will do this to you. God is speaking. I will do this to you. 
I will even appoint terror over you. You know, if you want to get on an airplane, you've got to go through all this security because terrorists want to blow things up. And people are trying to prevent that from happening. I will point terror over you and consumption, diseases. Those who hate you will rule over you. We'll talk about this a little bit later. But this is one of the consequences. He said, you turn away from me, then those who hate you will wind up ruling over you. And we're going to see this in a very sobering way in just a little bit. And after this, if you do not obey me, I will punish you seven more times. I will break the pride of your power. God said, I will do this to you because you have turned away from me. I'm going to break the pride of your power. Verse 31 and 32. I will lay your cities waste. And this is what happened up in Seattle and up in the Northwest last summer. We have to watch and see what's going to happen in America today, this summer, with demonstrations against the uh, reversal of the Rowan Wade uh, decision about abortion. People want to demand their right to kill their own children. I will lay your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries to desolation. I will bring the land to desolation and your enemies who dwell in it shall be astonished. What we're told here is the world is going to be shocked to see America's demise. The world is going to be shocked. And I'm going to scatter you among the heathen and draw a sword out after you. This is what's coming. And this is said several different times in other places. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Again, the children of Israel, the second generation, were given the same warnings. God repeats things that are important. Beginning in verse 15. It shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you uh, this day, that all these curses will come upon you. And down in verse 20, the Lord will send on you cursing and confusion, because you've turned away from God, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do. You know, when President Trump was in office, he said, we are going to make America great again. God said, curses are going to come upon you in everything you set your hand to do. Now, the new president, current president, wants to do various things, and the same scripture is going to apply. You're going to be cursed in whatever you set your hands to do. Verse 20, until you perish quickly. Your downfall is going to come suddenly. We're watching it happening today. Just in the last two years, all kinds of things have changed. What's it going to be like two years from now? What's it going to be like in November of this year? <laughs> Will we make it that far? We're living in some very sobering times. He says, until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. God said, it's going to come suddenly. It's going to come to an end suddenly. Now, verse 37. And you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among the nations where the Lord will drive you. The whole world is going to see what happens to us. And they're going to make connections as to why these things are happening. Uh, 
Deuteronomy 29, verses 24 to 28. And sometimes we read over these things that, well, yeah, it's going to happen to us, but God says the whole world is going to see what I'm doing. The whole world is going to watch what's going to happen to you. Chapter 29, verses 24 to 28. All nations will say, why has the Lord done this to this land? What does the heat of this great anger mean? Then the people will say, the people of the world will say, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they went and they served other gods. So other nations are going to see what's happening to us, and they're going to recognize that God has done this to them, his people, because they turned away from him. Notice something else in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 43 to 45. Now we're watching these things happening today. 43 to 45. It says, The alien who is among you, the foreigner who is among you, will rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. As I mentioned, the National Education Association has three a minority women, first time in the history of that organization. And they have basically said, we are going to stand up to the right, these authoritarian people that are trying to put religion back in school. And we're not going to stand for it. The alien who is among you will rise higher and higher. He shall lend to you, but you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, and you will be the tail. You will be the tail. Now, this is what's happening in our country today, but we're not connecting the dots to these scriptures. We're not connecting this with turning away from God and ignoring his commandments. Finally, Deuteronomy 31, verse 29. Now, this was what Moses laid on the shoulders of the Israelites, the second generation, just before they went into the promised land. But he's talking about the future. Deuteronomy 31, verse 29. Moses says, For I know that after my death, you, Israelites, will become utterly corrupt, totally corrupt, and turn aside from the way that I've commanded you. And evil will befall you in the latter days, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord and provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. You've turned away from the God who blessed you, who brought your ancestors out of Egypt, who blessed you with one of the most fantastic countries and piece of geography in the world. You've had all of that, and yet you've turned away from God. He said, in the latter days, you're going to be in deep (laughs) doo-doo. You're going to be in deep trouble. Because you've done this to yourself and you've done this to God. Now, this is the message of Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. God went over these things through Moses, with Moses, with the Israelite parents and then with their offspring, second generation. They have no excuse. We have no excuse, except we've discounted the whole Old Testament. doesn't apply to us anymore because we're Gentiles. We're not Israelites. This is a big mistake. A big mistake. If you go through Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea, you find the same message. 
Moses was writing about 1400 B.C. Isaiah was writing about 700 B.C., 700 years later. This is referred to briefly in announcements. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 1. God sent a series of prophets to the Israelites because they had turned away from him. But before God does something, Amos 3, 7, he, he lets people know ahead of time. He provides a warning. He says God does nothing unless he makes a message available through his servants, the prophets. But Isaiah chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 4, it says, Alas, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. They've forsaken the Lord. They've provoked him to anger. In chapter, in chapter 1, verses 24 to 25, it says, Therefore says the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, I will rid myself of my adversaries and take vengeance on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you. And he's talking about the Israelite nations. And thoroughly purge away your dross. You know, if you have some brass or silver silverware, if you just leave it lay around in a drawer, it gets dross. It, it just gets all dirty, <laughs> oxidizes. But if you take some polish and rub that stuff off, it'll come off and shine bright. And what God is saying here, I will thoroughly purge away your dross. I'm going to wipe away, get rid of all the sins that you have. But also in verse 26, it's very positive. I will restore your judges as at first. I'm going to provide teachers for you. They're going to explain what happened to you and why it happened and how you can avoid this in the future and how you can find real happiness. I'm going to provide teachers for you and your counselors as at the beginning. And afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, a faithful city. Jeremiah talks about a city of truth. God is going to make an example of the Israelite nations in the future after they have really screwed up and repented and changed. But somebody's going to have to help them do that. God's going to provide the lightning and the thunder. <laughs> We're going to have the opportunity of providing the explanations. You know, last night, I was sitting outside in front of our house, and um, we heard some thunder. And these low clouds were blowing over. And I was just waiting to watch and see what was going to happen. And about five minutes later, the, <laughs> the wind came in. The rain was going all over the place. But there was plenty of lightnings and thunder to begin with. So you knew something was going to happen. God's going to provide that. But we're going to have the opportunity to teach people, how did you get into this mess? How do we get out of it? What did we do? What do we need to do from here? This is what God is preparing in us today to prepare to do some of these things. That's why we need to understand a little bit about America's woke agenda and how this agenda is affecting the whole Western world that were once so-called Christian nations. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12. Again, this is jumping out of the pages today. We've talked about these things for years, but it's been... Uh, very sobering to see how much these things are coming true today. In verse 12, it says, As for my people, children are their oppressors. It's talking about not little kids. It's talking about immature leaders who act like little kids. Immature leaders, inexperienced leaders. 
Children are their oppressors and women rule over them. These three ladies heading up the NEA. <laughs> We're going to do this. We're going to get you. Women rule over them. It's going to be interesting to see who heads up the government in the UK since the prime minister is resigned. It's going to be interesting who heads up the government in America if our current president doesn't make it through a full term. It'll be interesting to watch. As for my people, children of their presses, women rule over them. Oh, my people, those who lead you cause you to err. They're leading you down the wrong path, a woke path. Your leaders are leading you down a wrong path, cause you to err and destroy the way of your past. We've got to get rid of this old stuff. You know, marriage is, 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 is a waste of time. It's old-fashioned. You've got to be free. You've got to be able to do your thing. This stuff about homosexuality, there's nothing wrong with it. I was reading about a head of a teacher's organization up in the Northwest. Uh, she's a director on the school board, I think, in Bellingham, Washington. And in her spare time, she is teaching sexual pleasure classes to children nine years of age. You think, what is going on? Perverting the minds of children, focusing them on a direction that they don't need to go at that age. In fact, they don't need to go at all. With some, but here's a teacher who's a director, but it's on my time, she says. This is what's happening in our country today. Our leaders are leading us down the wrong path. You're jotting your notes here. Isaiah chapter 9, and I think it's verse 16. It says, those that follow these leaders will be destroyed. Those that follow leaders like this will be destroyed with those leaders. And yet this is all woke. This is all great. This is all the latest thing. Who was it? P.T. Barnum said there was a sucker born every minute or whatever it was. (laughs) People that just buy into this thing. Your teachers have workshops every what? Every month or so. And they go over new teaching theories and new teaching methods so they can be with it. These ideas have come out of teachers' training programs. They've been around for 20, 30, 40 years. But parents didn't know in many cases until their kids were locked down and they were able to watch uh, online some of the classes. And then they found out what's actually being taught in some of these ideas. You know, you've got some of the weirdest people teaching. I'm not knocking every teacher. But some of the weirdest people today are found in the teaching profession. One guy that they interviewed, he said, I've got about 120 or 130 days to make them rebels. I've got about 120 days to make them activists so that they can begin changing society. And this guy had Antifa flags on his uh, a wall. He had tattoos all over himself. <laughs> this is the teacher. You got teachers coming to school, guys wearing high heels and, and, and nail polish. This is an example to kids in classes. 
And yet these ladies were saying, we've got to defend public schools. Because <laughs> this is some of the stuff that goes on in public schools. And we are going to fight charter schools because that will put us out of business. But kids that go through charter schools make better grades. They're given more attention. They're taught discipline, which is not happening in some of the public schools today. And I'm not knocking everybody, but these are things that are happening. All you have to do is read some of the journals. Read what's happening in the news. Back to Isaiah. Chapter 5 and verse 5. It says, now please tell me you want to do... Please tell me, yeah, try it again. And now, please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. Vineyard is Israel, God's people. I will take away its hedge, and it will be burned. Now, God has placed a hedge around his nations today. We have two big oceans on each side of the United States that have protected us for several hundred years. The British had the English Channel to keep it kept out Hitler. It kept out Napoleon. It's protected the United Kingdom. But God said he's going to take away the hedge that I put around you. Plug in another scripture here in Hosea. Chapter 2 and verse 6, where it says, God will hedge up your way with thorns. Not only will he take away the hedge, take away the protection, he will hedge up your way with thorns. He's going to make it very difficult for our nations. God is going to do this. Because he is a God of love, he's going to punish the children that he blessed and turned away from him. But this is the message of Isaiah. It's the same thing that we were reading about in Deuteronomy. Um, Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20 describing what's happening today. You know, we've talked about these things for years, but it's becoming more blatant today. Woe to those who call evil good and call good evil. Woe to those who call evil good and call good evil. This lady up in Bellingham, Washington, was a teacher offering these sexual pleasure classes. She was telling little kids Sexual transition, excuse me, sexually transmitted diseases are not a shame. They're not evil. These are curable diseases. What she's not telling them is they're also preventable. <laughs> if you don't do things like that. You know, I was teaching a class in health education for college teachers a number of years ago up in Massachusetts. And I made a comment in the class. Now, these were basically nurses and teachers and some uh, students that were a little bit older. I said, look, the section, this section of your textbook talks about sexually transmitted diseases. I said, if you don't mess around, you're not going to have to worry about this. And some girl in the middle of the class, she says, are you for real? I said, I'm for real. But your textbook says the same thing. And I saw some of the older ladies there kind of nodding. But this girl was kind of like, she probably was sleeping around. I said, if you don't mess around, you're not going to have to worry about these things. But she was, are you for real? 
She wasn't with it. She was woke. (laughs) But she was not awake. She didn't recognize what was happening because she's bought into this whole philosophy. Woe to those who call evil good and call good evil. Doctors today are promoting sexual, uh, what's the word I want here? Sexual transitions or transition surgery. We have to to offer gender-appropriate care. You got a little kid that's nine years old, wants to be a girl. Well, we want to help them. We want want to, to, to help them as opposed to saying, look, talk with your parents. Uh, you know, kids are dealing with what are called <clears throat> gender uh, identity disorder, GID. Uh, we call it uh, transgenderism. But only a very small percentage of kids wind up dealing with this, maybe 1%, 2%, something like that. But today it's probably more towards 20% because it's being referred to as a, um, what is it? Uh, it's a condition promoted by the Internet. It's promoted by peer pressure. In fact, there was a lady, a faculty member at University of, uh, I think it was Brown University in their School of Public Health. She wrote a paper on this, that what we're dealing with with this uh, transgenderism it's a fad. It's being promoted by the media. Her paper was withdrawn by the school, and she was reprimanded. Because you can't say things like that. That's not woke. She was telling the truth. And she had the data to back it up. But she was censored because this is not the thing to say today. You've got to be woke. You've got to be with it. Go along with all these things and promote it. Calling good evil and evil good. But this is the world we're living in. Jeremiah chapter 2. just want to touch a few more things in the prophets because the prophets are saying the same thing that Moses was talking about. In Jeremiah chapter 2, it's an interesting summary. Now, Jeremiah is writing around 600 B.C., so about 100 years later. But he's writing to, and you can check this out, the house of Israel. It's not just to the Jews, but to the whole house of Israel. Chapter 2, verse 4. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel, says the Lord. Then in verse 8, it says, The priest did not say, Where is the Lord? Those that handle the law do not know me. The religious teachers and preachers in Israel don't know the Bible. They don't know God, for the most part. There was a study done recently where it said something like, only about 37% of professing uh, Christian leaders have a biblical worldview, which means about 63% don't. (laughs) About 63% of professing Christian leaders don't have a biblical worldview? you got to look that up a little bit. Part of the question were: do you believe in a personal God? No. Do you believe in uh, the Bible is inspired? Well, no. Do you believe in creation, that God created the universe? Well, no. Do you believe in Jesus? Maybe. 37% 
only have a biblical worldview, and we wouldn't agree with the whole worldview that they have. But brethren, this is the world we live in. God said here, 600 B.C., that the priests don't know me. They that handle the law don't know me. I remember read something that a Protestant minister had written. He said, I don't speak much about prophecy because I don't understand it. And he's a preacher, but he doesn't understand it. When I was growing up attending Protestant churches, I think I heard one sermon on prophecy in about 23 years. It was about Russia attacking America. It was not given by the local preacher. It was given by some traveling evangelist that came through. One sermon. And yet, what, about 30-some percent of the Bible is prophecy? I heard one sermon in 23 years. It's no wonder people don't understand the book that's not being explained to them, not being taught to them. It says here in verse 8, The priest did not say, Where is the Lord? Those that handle the law don't know me. The rulers also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal. Their own mind, their own thoughts, their own ideas. Jeremiah 3, verses 2 and 15. Now, this is the message of Jeremiah to the families of Israel. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 2. It said, lift up your eyes to the, the desolate heights and see. But it says, latter part of that verse, you have polluted the land with your harlotries and with your wickedness. In other words, you have messed up the country. You've polluted the land. Down in verse 15, I will give you shepherds according to my heart. This is the promise, the same thing that uh, Isaiah was talking about. God is going to give his people New shepherds, according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. They're going to explain about the laws of God. They're going to explain about the consequences of going contrary to the laws of God. God has a plan. You and I have been called to be part of that plan, to prepare for what's coming, to help people understand what happened to them. Why did all this happen to us? We're decent people. Because we've forgotten our heritage. We've forgotten God. We've turned away from God. We've forgotten the covenant that our forefathers made with God. Jeremiah 4.20. Jeremiah 4 and verse 20. It says, Destruction and destruction is cried. The whole land is plundered. Suddenly my tents are plundered and my curtains are, and my curtains in a moment. Moses said the same thing in Deuteronomy 28.20. Your downfall is going to come suddenly. I think it mentions about three different times in Jeremiah, three different times in Isaiah. Things are going to happen suddenly. You're not going to be prepared for it, but we need to be prepared. We need to prepare for what's coming. We need to be understanding of what's coming and be ready for what's coming. Jeremiah 6.10. And we're just jumping through here. I'd read through the whole 10 chapters here of Isaiah, or excuse me, Jeremiah, to get the flavor of all of this. Jeremiah 6 and verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give a warning that they may hear? Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised. 
they cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. The Bible? You believe this stuff? I went to a Presbyterian school in college. We were required to take two years of philosophy. Uh, the philosophy professors were not Presbyterians, I don't think. <laughs> they just talked about philosophy. But I remember walking into one of this guy's classes, and he had a Bible sitting up on, on his desk, and he was sitting on a desk. Uh, that's not exactly military discipline, sitting on a desk like that. But he was. But he picked up the Bible, and he knew that we were basically, supposedly Christian guys. But he picked up the Bible, he looked at it, it's a waste can beside his desk, and he goes, the message was, this is what I think of that book. Now somebody got, it was one of these days, God is going to go, this is what I think of him. He's going to have to face some judgment. But many teachers today knock the Bible, they knock Christianity, and they're doing it on purpose. It says the word of the Lord is a reproach. There's no delight in it. Jot in your notes Hosea chapter 8 and verse 12, where it says the word of God is viewed as a strange thing. Hosea was writing about 700 B.C. This is what's happening in our country today. Jeremiah 9, verses 13 to 16. Jeremiah 9, verses 13 to 16. God again is speaking to the whole house of Israel. The Lord said, Because you have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, nor walked according to it, but they have walked according to the dictates of their own hearts, and after the Baals, or their gods, which... Uh, their fathers taught them. Therefore, says the Lord God of hosts, behold, I will feed them, this people, with wormwood and give them water of gall to drink, and I will scatter them among the Gentiles. Finally, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. Now, this is what we've forgotten as a nation. This is what we've forgotten as a people. But in Jeremiah chapter 30, it talks about a time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob had 12 sons. He's talking about the Israelite nations today, America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, other places around the world. Now, unless we understand who we are, we're going to read right over these verses. But if we understand who we are, this is talking about us and whoever is living in our country at this time. Alas, for the day is great. There's none like it. It is a time of Jacob's trouble but he shall be saved out of it. But down in verse 12, it says, Your affliction is incurable and your wound is severe. In other words, you're really in deep trouble. But now the last verse of that chapter, verse 24, says, The fierce anger of the Lord will not return until he has done it, until he has performed his intents. He's going to take away the hedge, and I'm going to hedge up your way with thorns. And I'm not going to repent until I do what I've said. Then the last sentence of that chapter says, In the latter days you will consider it. This is all going to make sense as we get close to the end of the age. Jacob's trouble, your incurable wound, all the stuff that's happening, calling good evil and evil good. 
is that it's all going to come together and it's all going to make sense as we get close to the end of the age. Where are we today? How much further can we go down? How many more things can we change that are an abomination to God? So point number one, we've forgotten God, we've despised his laws, and we're reaping the consequences that the Bible says will come. It's going to come. Now, if we can wake up, not get woke, but if we can wake up and recognize what's happening, we're not going to have to go through this. But our friends, our neighbors, our relatives that are woke, that don't recognize what's happening, they're going to deal with this. And it's going to be very shocking, very sobering. And the world is going to watch what's happening. Now, some people think they're going to be raptured, they're going to be up in heaven, and they get to watch all this. They're going to watch from down here. And the stuff is going to happen to them. Now, we can be spared from this if we make the changes that we need to make and we don't quit. But the Bible reveals we've forgotten God, despised his laws, we've ignored his warnings, and we're reaping the consequences. That's number one. Number two, what else have we forgotten? What else have we forgotten that is happening today? Number two, we've forgotten that Satan is real. We've forgotten that Satan is real. Now, if you've grown up in a Pentecostal church, you know all about Satan. You yell and scream and you kick him out of the room and whatever. (laughs) But most people don't believe in Satan. It's just an imaginary, uh, fictitious figure. You've got horns and a tail and uh, a pitchfork and, you know, that kind of stuff. You dress up like Satan on Halloween. You go to Scotland, they have, uh, around Halloween time, where they got a group of dancers that paint themselves red and they run around, ah, you know, make these weird things and uh, all kind of stuff goes on. Uh, but they're actually going back into paganism. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. But they're doing it because it's kind of fun. You can dress up and do kind of all the crazy things. But we've forgotten the Satan is real because we ignore the scriptures. We don't believe the book. And yet in Genesis 3, it talks about Satan as the serpent deceived Adam and Eve. You don't have to believe what God told you. You've got a mind. You can make your own decisions. You can do your own thing. You can be like God. Adam and Eve bought into it. We're being told today, do your own thing. You don't have to go along with these traditional values. They're old-fashioned. you got to be woke. you got to be with it. And people are buying into that. Brethren, we've got to be careful we don't and that our children don't, and they can defend against these things. I did a TWP here recently, not too far away from here. And I mentioned something, actually, no, this was in services, but I mentioned something about uh, uh, homosexuality and transgenderism and stuff that's being promoted today. And I saw this one little girl kind of listening intently. 
And then I was talking with the minister, and I noticed this little girl. She waved at me a couple times from across the room. I waved back. And I was aware she was around behind me, and she was telling the minister, I want to talk to this guy. I want to talk to this guy. So I turned and I said, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? She says, you're cool. She said, you talk about God. And then she said, I didn't like what my teacher was trying to make us do. This girl's nine years old. Probably what, second, third grade, something like that. She said, I didn't like what my teacher was trying to get me to do, to be uh, woke, to be uh, accepting, and to be uh, accepting of transgenderism. She said, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And my mommy told me I didn't have to do it. Her mom had prepared her for what was going on, and her mom got her out of the class. Now, that may not be able to be possible in some situations, but a nine-year-old kid was having to deal with this stuff that was being promoted by a woke teacher that this lady's uh, head of the NEA are going to defend with their life. This is the world we're living in, brethren. We've forgotten that Satan is real. A couple of scriptures, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3, 16, it says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that's for teaching, for reproof, that's correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Psalm 119, verse 172 says, All thy commandments are righteousness. The scriptures were inspired for teaching about righteousness, God's way of life. This is what we're going to be doing in the coming kingdom of God, teaching people God's way of life. What is right? What is wrong? What is absolute? What is not? All scriptures given by the inspiration of God is profitable for teaching. Genesis 3 talks about Adam and Eve being deceived by Satan, where he's told them, you got a mind, you can do your own thing, you can make up your own minds, and don't go along with these traditions. You can do your own thing. This is going to be one of the lessons that uh, <clears throat> Mr. Simone is going to be talking about in the book of Judges. Last verse of the last chapter, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. I remember when I first came into the church and I read that verse, and I thought, well, that's just like in America. We go to the church of our choice. Everything's fine. Cool. When you read about judges, it was a mess. When everybody was doing their own thing, it was a mess. It was confusion. It was killing. It was a mess. But we're not aware of the lessons of history. I was reading through a set of eyes that had been conditioned by television in the 1950s. When television stations signed off on Saturday night, they said, "Go t- tomorrow is Sunday. Go to the church of your choice. And it sounded cool because everybody did that. It was what was happening. But it's bad advice. We learn a little bit about Satan in the Bible. John 8, 44 said he's a liar. He's a murderer. He is untruthful. He doesn't tell the truth. He shades it. Revelation 12.9 says Satan has deceived the whole world, but people don't believe him. They don't believe he's real because the world has been deceived. 
Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Read what some of the commentaries say about these chapters. These are some of the hardest chapters in the Bible to understand. But it's talking about Satan being a rebel, an adversary of God, an adversary of the plan of God. He led the third of the angels in a rebellion against God. Activists that want to transform our society today from the top to the bottom, turn everything around, are rebels rebelling against traditional values, rebelling against what's in this book. This is Satan's world. That's what we also learn. In First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says, Our adversary walks about as a roaring lion trying to destroy each of us. You've been called to become part of God's family, to become a, a king and a priest and a teacher in the coming kingdom of God. Satan wants to blow you away. He wants you out of the way. We need to recognize that. Don't give in. Recognize. Don't give in. A couple of other things to recognize quickly about Satan. <clears throat> Satan's goal is to deceive mankind. He started with Adam and Eve. He wants to disrupt the plan of God. He wants to divide the church of God. We've seen this happen over and over and over during the last 20, 30, 40 years. And just recently in the last couple of years, divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. He wants to deceive and destroy God's chosen people. God's chosen people were chosen to be a light and example to the world. And Satan wants to destroy that, get them focused on something totally different. That's his mission. That's his goal. He tried to destroy Jesus Christ, worked on Judas. He tried to destroy the church in the early centuries. He messed it up pretty good. He wants to destroy Christian America today, and I'm saying that in quotes. You know, America was different when I grew up. As I look around the room, when you grew up too, a lot of you. It's a very different place than it is today. Now, younger kids, younger people wouldn't recognize the difference in the last 20, 15 or 20 years. It hadn't changed that much. It's just gotten worse. But it's nothing like it was back in the 50s or the 40s. Very different. At that time. Second Corinthians, very interesting little book. Second Corinthians 2.11, it talks about Satan has devices. Has devices that he uses to deceive and disorient. But he's got devices that he uses. Second Corinthians 4.4. 4. So Satan is the god of this world. He's the one in charge. He's the one that's inspiring the movies. He's the one that's inspiring the leaders today and the teachers that have these great ideas. This is Satan's world. This is Satan's world. That's why we've been called out of it to be different. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 to 15. It says Satan has his ministers, his agents, individuals that he uses. In some cases, they're 
preachers and teachers. In other cases, they're philosophers. In other cases, they're activists promoting certain ideas. But Satan has his agents. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, he's called the prince of the power of the air. He influences thoughts. Where do these people get thoughts to go out and shoot a bunch of people? Came across a book entitled The Battle for the American Mind. The Battle for the American Mind. There's several books by that title, but this is about 10 or 15 years old. Subtitle is Brief History of a Nation's Thought. Brief History of a Nation's Thought. In other words, how thoughts have influenced America. And he talks about three major beliefs. Theism, uh, which was more in colonial times, but theism is where you believe in God. You believe in God. Theism is one of the influences. Humanism, which came in in the 1800s, is a belief in man and reason as opposed to God. Belief in man and reason as opposed to God. And then skepticism, which came in in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It's a belief in neither God nor man. Skepticism. And we think we're cool today. Well, we don't have to believe everything. You know, I'm, I'm skeptical about this and skeptical about that. But what he says is the skepticism has led to an age of confusion. It's led to an age of confusion. People don't know what the truth is. So this is the battle for the American mind. Uh, Hosea chapter 4 and verse 12. Hosea talks about a spirit of harlotry or a spirit of whoredoms that has caused Israel to stray. A spirit of harlotry or a spirit of whoredoms has caused Israel to stray. They followed different gods. They've drifted away from God. This has also been phrased following false gods of the mind. False gods of the mind. Came across another book entitled when, uh, Seven Men Who Rule the World from the Grave. It's an interesting title just to think about. Seven Men Who Rule the World from the Grave. And it's talking about Darwin. It's talking about Marx. It's talking about John Dewey. It's talking about Freud. And a theologian by the name of Julius Wellhausen. Darwin's false god was that there is no god. With evolution, you don't need a creator. But this idea still influences people today. If you're a biologist and you don't believe in evolution, you might find it hard to get a job. Because everybody knows that evolution is true. Even though Darwin never figured out how you can get dogs from cats and cats from dogs and birds from fish. It just didn't happen. doesn't happen. But everybody bought into that. You don't need a god. Marx, you don't need religion. Religion is the opium of the people. It's a drug that people need to get through life. I came across another book about the opium of the intellectuals. <laughs> These are the weird ideas that intellectuals have come up with, whereas uh, Marx blames the average person for believing in God as being taken a drug. But the ideas of Darwin, the ideas of Marx, Marx felt that uh, if we get rid of religion, if we get rid of the family, 
and we get rid of private property, then we can have a socialist utopia. And this is where we're going today. This is where we're going today. But these ideas still influence us today. John Dewey was a uh, grew up as a fundamentalist uh, Christian, but he got into human reason. He came to the conclusion there is no supernatural, there are no absolutes. With government and science and human reason, we can solve all the problems. There are no absolutes. There's no such thing as right and wrong. These ideas still influence us today. Julius Wellhausen was into Old Testament criticism or biblical criticism. He was a teacher in Germany to train Protestant preachers. He finally resigned, he said, because I'm making them unfit for their profession. (laughs) I'm destroying their faith. So he resigned from his teaching position. But these are people whose ideas still influence us today. Another book. In Leviticus 26, verse 17, it talks about those who, if you disobey God and turn away from him, those who hate you will rule over you. Those who hate you will rule over you. I want to talk about another book here very quickly entitled The Death of the West, The Death of the West by Patrick Buchanan. He talks about the Frankfurt School. And we talk about the Germans are going to invade America at some point in time. We've been invaded already. Now, there may be a physical one coming, but we've been invaded by an intellectual group of of criminals, really. The Frankfurt School were a group of uh, socialists that got out of Germany because otherwise Hitler would have killed them. But they got out of Germany. They came to America, to Columbia University and some of the big educational institutions. Why did they come there? Because there was an environment there of intellectuals who did not like Christianity and they did not like traditional values. So they fit in very well there. Their goal was to undermine Western civilization, to undermine Western civilization, and they used what they called critical theory. This was something they came up with. They realized that Marx was wrong, that he was expecting the workers of the world to rebel against the the owners. But they never did in the West. The workers were too well off under capitalism. They, They didn't need socialism. But they said, Marx made a big mistake. What we need to do is capture the culture. We need to capture the culture. We undermine Christianity. We attack the family. We attack the pillars of Western society. We attack the traditional role of women. We attack the role of the father. We begin a long march through the institutions where we gain control of the teachers, we gain control of their minds, we gain control of what they teach children, we gain control of the media, we gain control of Hollywood, we gain control of the courts, we gain control of politics, and we basically take over the country. It sounds like a a plot, (laughs) 
But it was. It was a deliberate plot. They hatched it in America as they were protected by America's freedoms over here. Some of the leaders in this movement, a guy by the name of George Lukacs, he was a Hungarian minister of culture in Hungarian in Hungary under a brief socialist regime there. And his method to destroy the country was to start radical sex education in elementary schools. The same thing is happening in America today, has been. Uh, <clears throat> radical sex education uh, began telling people that marriage is outdated. His goal was to destroy the family, break up that society, and then cause a socialist revolution. A fellow by the name of Antonio Gramsci, he was an Italian. He was a socialist. Mussolini locked him up in jail, and he died in jail. But before he died, he wrote prison notebooks. It was a plan how to bring America and the West down by doing specific things, attacking Christianity, attacking the family, uh, attacking traditional values. Another guy by the name of Herbert Marcuse, he was a German. He was kind of the guru of the hippies. He was the guy that came up with the, word, the phrase, make love and not war. He was promoting drugs and sex. Uh, these were the individuals in this Frankfurt school that began operating in the 40s in teaching education. Um, this is why the teachers are into these things today. They've been being taught. They were taught these things for about 40 years. The goals of the cultural Marxists is to bring down America and the West, promote uh, LGBTQ, promote transgenderism, promote critical racial theory, and it grew out of critical theory. Critical theory was basically begin criticizing everything about America and the West. Criticize the history, criticize traditions, make it really bad. And this is why young people today have come to the conclusion, I hate America. You know, run down the founders. They were slave owners and they were evil people. They were slave owners and evil people. You've got to make people hate their own country. The celebrities on July 4th that were saying very negative things, they're the products of this educational system. They're the products of what's happening today. Brethren, we, just, we need to be aware of what's happening. We've been invaded by an enemy from within. Why is all of this stuff coming together today? Why is it like just coming together today? Gramsci, this Italian that died in jail, he says, if you subvert the culture... The system will fall by its own weight. Now, he was saying this 40-some, 50-some years ago. He said, you subvert the culture, it's all going to come crashing down. He said, then power will fall into our hands like ripened fruit. This is our plan. So we need to understand, brethren, what's been done to us, what we let happen to ourselves, you know, Karl Marx had made the comment several different times, we need, in order to bring about a socialist revolution, we need useful idiots. 
useful idiots that will buy into our philosophy. They don't recognize where it's going to go, but they get all excited about it. The social justice warriors of today, kids. Oh, we see all the inequities and all that stuff. We got to change everything. Accept everybody. This is going to destroy us. It's going to destroy us. Hosea 8, 7. Hosea said, we have sown the wind and we're going to reap the whirlwind. We've sown the wind, we're reaping the whirlwind, it's going to come suddenly. Final thing I want to mention. The third lesson. We've forgotten our own history. Brethren, we have been called out of this world to recapture true values. Because God wants to use a people to re-educate the Israelites that were going, they're going to go into captivity because they bought into this woke stuff. And we're going to have to be able in love to show them, look, you messed up. You bought into some wrong ideas. You were deceived. You were lied to. And we're told in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 to 4, that the law will go forth from Jerusalem and the world is going to be taught God's ways. This is our calling, brethren. We need to wake up and not be woke up. We need to wake up, recognize what's happening, and prepare to show people a better way of life. This is our calling. This is our purpose. This is our mission. That's what ancient Israel was called to do. That's why God says, I'm choosing you. I want you to be a light and an example to the world. Hopefully, brethren, we can be excited about that calling. Don't give up and walk away. Don't get sucked back into the world. Wake up. And don't be woke.